Well, now let's take a closer look inside the Kremlin. Russia may be a world power. It is controlled by very few people. Almost all of them born the same year, like Vladimir Putin, 1952, all from St. Petersburg. They've known each other for decades. And my next guest estimates they've siphoned hundreds of billions of dollars out of the country. It also means Putin has very few people around him who have any power to change his course. Joining me now is Dr. Anders Osland, Senior Fellow at Stockholm Free World Forum, author of Russia's Crony Capitalism from Market Economy to Kleptocracy, and as an economic advisor to both countries in the past, one of the foremost economic experts on Russia and Ukraine. Thanks for being here tonight, Dr. Osland. My pleasure. I think one of the things that, first of all, I would be very curious to know, uh, because you've written often about uh, the Kremlin strategy of short, quick, successful wars, and Vladimir Putin's great desire to not disrupt the macroeconomic situation in Russia. And it seems in a matter of less than two weeks, he's managed to violate both those, uh, both those longstanding trends. How have you assessed the first few weeks of this war? And what do you think has gone right or wrong for Vladimir Putin? I think that everything has gone absolutely wrong for Vladimir Putin. The military performance has been absolutely substandard in every relevant uh, regard. Uh, the, uh, the blatant uh, crimes against humanity that have been undertaken have been widely publicized, thanks to 300 uh, foreign journalists all of a sudden being in all over uh, U- Ukraine. And... Uh, uh, this has caused a massive reaction, particularly in uh, Europe, against uh, uh, Putin and his uh, uh, war of aggression in the Ukraine. And therefore, the West uh, has been uh, compelled to impose massive sanctions on Russia that were far worse than uh, Putin ha- had expected. So everything has gone wrong for him. And, and yet we've always sort of uh, painted Vladimir Putin as being this master strategist, this chess player, the, the judoka. And mm. yet it's what has gone wrong. And you've always, you've been very forthright about this. Part of the problem is that he's disconnected to some extent from what's going on in his own country or just doesn't care. Yeah, he's uh, uh, essentially been a lucky chap who has arrived at the right time. He arrived at the late table. Uh, the Russian economy was already growing by almost 7% in 1999 when he came to power, before he came to power. And uh, then, thanks to the reforms of the uh, 1990s and high oil price, uh, Russia had a growth rate of 7% uh, a year on average for a decade. But then, from 2009, Russia has hardly had any growth. And that's when uh, Putin has taken over with uh, renationalization and uh, <clears throat> ever more regulation in favor of his uh, own, own kleptocrats. So Putin has not been good on economics at all. And he's being praised by all of these investment bankers and Russian state banks for having uh, built up large reserves. You shouldn't have these large reserves. This is taking money away from from the people. Uh, And they have missed that Russia has not had any economic growth at all since 2014, because Putin has pursued an extreme austerity policy. So it's funny, uh, 
people in general complain about Germany pursuing austerity policy, but they praise Putin for pursuing worse austerity uh, policies with worse economic uh, uh, results. What would be the impact? I mean, in your long study of Russia, the time you spent there, obviously you spent time in Ukraine as well. What would be the impact and how surprising has the breadth and scope of the reaction to this invasion been, do you think, inside the Kremlin? I think it has been big. Uh, I've been campaigning for tougher sanctions against Russia since 2014. And uh, time and time again, we have heard from various politicians that this will be uh, sanctions from hell. And then it has been a whimper. And uh, I think that Putin uh, had, uh, didn't believe at all in Western sanctions. He said it will be as usual. They will make a lot of noise and then nothing uh, will happen. But what has happened this time is that it has become indecent to, to deal with Russia, to uh, buy from Russia, to sell to Russia, and worst of all, to invest in Russia. So therefore, we have now seen 300 companies that have voluntarily withdrawn uh, from uh, the Russian uh, market. And therefore, we are likely to see a massive collapse in the Russian economy. And Putin never thought that uh, uh, the central bank uh, reserves um, would be sanctioned or that the big Russian state banks should be uh, uh, subject to blocking uh, sanctions. And he never thought that Europe would go ahead like this. And, of course, the transformation, particularly of Germany's foreign policy under Chancellor Olaf Scholz with uh, the Green Party in in the uh, coalition government has really been amazing. So uh, I had not expected that the sanctions would go uh, so far myself, although I've been pushing for much uh, tougher uh, sanctions. And now it's simply difficult to do anything with Russia because it is uh, so out of it. And Putin has got into the habit uh, of uh, to lie about everything. And the same is true of Minister for Foreign Affairs, uh, Lavrov, and, um, and his uh, press spokesman, uh, Peskov. So people have come to the logical uh, conclusion, uh, why bother about these people? Uh, whatever they say is a lie. Why talk to them? Speaking with Anders Osland, one of the West's foremost experts on the economies of Russia and Ukraine, uh, as well as a senior fellow at the Stockholm Free World Forum and author of Russia's Crony Capitalism from Market Economy to Kleptocracy. If, in fact, Vladimir Putin has clearly overplayed his hand here and created the circumstances of which he's been trying to avoid, seemingly, one would think, for a very long time, so a short, quick war that's worked in the past to boost his popularity economic stability to avoid the chaos of the 90s. If he's now then sowed both these things in his own country, what next? Well, uh, that's uh, the big question. Uh, If we take the war first, uh, Putin has probably lost one quarter of the Russian military capacity in Ukraine already. And... uh, Normally, it's said that you can't really continue a a war properly when you have lost uh, more than one third. And that would be within one week. The the Ukrainian uh, are now killing about one Russian soldier a day. So so this is a frightful killing machine. 
uh, and uh, uh, the Russian uh, soldiers are just making every mistake uh, in the book. And uh, also the hardware is uh, taken out with an amazing skill by the uh, mobilized uh, uh, Ukrainians. The Ukrainians will not give up and Putin is not likely to give up. Putin's natural uh, reaction will be to use um, biological arms, chemical arms, and possibly nuclear arms. Uh, go ever further. And the question is, how will the West react then? We are coming to a situation like um, uh, Rwanda in uh, 1994, when too many people are just being killed too fast, so that uh, it becomes a shame uh, to, to stay uh, aside. So my sense is that the West is likely to be drawn in, and it can also be because of the very incompetent Russian military that can do pretty much anything. They bombed one Romanian ship in the Black Sea. An Estonian ship was sunk in in Jessa, also in the Black Sea. So this is a very dangerous situation. And Putin is clearly out of control. I think that we should co- compare him with uh, uh, Hitler in uh, in Poland in 1939, in what he's uh, uh, doing now. So I think that this will go very far. And what we don't know is, can anybody take him out in Russia? If it would be, it would be the Politburo, which is now called the Security Council of 13 people. Six of the, these uh, not-so-gentlemen are uh, uh, generous, four of them KGB generous. These are the people that I would look to. But obviously Putin does also. The Security Council no longer meets in person. It, uh, apart from one session Putin organized in the Kremlin, it uh, otherwise meets uh, virtually so that Putin only sees them on te- television screens in front of him. I'm speaking with Anders Aslan, the senior fellow at the Stockholm Free World Forum, one of the foremost experts in the West on both the Russian and Ukrainian economies, having served as an advisor to both those countries in the past and author of Russia's crony capitalism from market economy to kleptocracy. After this, we've been discussing Vladimir Putin and how to put pressure on him within the country. Often oligarchs are talked about, but uh, Dr. Oslin has always argued it's not the oligarchs that can pressure Vladimir Putin. In fact, it's the Security Council. We'll discuss that further after this. I'm back with Dr. Anders Osland, uh, fellow senior fellow at the Stockholm Free World Forum, one of the foremost experts on the Ukrainian and Russian economies, having served as an advisor to those countries, an economic advisor in the past, and author of Russia's crony capitalism from market economy to kleptocracy. Dr. Oslin, a lot has been made about the sanctions imposed on what we've been calling Vladimir Putin's inner circle of oligarchs. Uh, you've argued that, in fact, these oligarchs are essentially powerless to remove Putin, if I'm not mistaken, that, in fact, the real power lies, as you mentioned, within the Security Council. How true? Why is that? And how likely is it, as you mentioned earlier, that those closest to Putin on the Security Council would move to take him out? And under what circumstances? Uh, why they would do so is because Putin is pursuing a war about which they have probably not been consulted and which they don't support. I think that there is a general view that this is a, a mad war. Uh, the people who seem to have been involved is uh, Defense Minister Sergei Shoigo, 
who has been a Russian minister since 91. He's a typical yes man. And uh, the uh, chief of uh, the general staff, uh, uh, Valery uh, uh, Gerasimov, the, these are the two people who are uh, uh, involved. And uh, Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov, who doesn't, is not considered to have any real power, but he is the person who has agitated for Putin's uh, policy in, in the uh, uh, public. Uh, the heavy KGB generals have not said in, uh, anything. And uh, Putin uh, uh, recently uh, in Syria, in Libya, and also now in Ukraine, uses uh, uh, private contractors uh, to a considerable extent. And he also uses uh, uh, what is in, in fact uh, a private uh, army of uh, Chechen President Ramzan uh, Kadyrov. Mm -hmm. And these uh, groups have suffered big losses, according to the Ukrainians, 3,000 people in Ukraine. And uh, uh, the Chechen forces and the FSB hate one another. So this is one of the big rivalries. Uh, it's pretty clear that the Foreign Intelligence Service, uh, SVR, has not been consulted. And Putin, in the, the Public Security Council meeting, dressed down uh, uh, Sergei Narishkin, who's a KGB general of high standing and head of the, the SVR, the Foreign Intelligence Agency. You don't do such a thing in public. Who can stop Putin and can he be stopped before Ukraine is leveled? The four people who can stop Putin are... FSB director, uh, Alexander Bortnikov, mm -hmm. National Security Advisor Nikolai Patrushev, uh, 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 Foreign Intelligence uh, uh, Chief uh, Sergei Narishkin, and uh, uh, former Defense Minister and uh, Head of uh, FSB, uh, Sergei Ivanov. These are the four heavy KGB generals on the uh, Security Council. But uh, one reason why Putin doesn't appear in public, doesn't appear together with his top advisors uh, and uh, wants people to sit at least 10 meters away from him, is clearly that he thinks that these people are dangerous and should not be allowed uh, to sit close to him. The only occasion recently when Putin has been seen sitting close to anybody was when he invited um, uh, a number of uh, air hostesses uh, for, for a meal. Otherwise, nobody is allowed to come close. So he's essentially adopted a bunker mentality at this point. Um, you've outlined in your in your many writings that, that Vladimir Putin does not care about the Russian people and how much they'll suffer under these economic sanctions. So do you see uh, either A, an off-ramp that can be offered to Vladimir Putin, or B, anyone within the country rising up uh, and, and removing him before this turns into a long, protracted, and potentially um, escalating war with Ukraine and the West? The only off-ramp I see is a bullet in the forehead. That's it? That's it. And few people available to pull the trigger, I imagine. Yeah. And they will not be allowed to come close with uh, Novichok or with uh, uh, a pistol. That's a pretty die. I mean, you're a learned and, and, and sober uh, judge of these, of these circumstances. 
that sounds like a, a hell of an assessment of what's just happened in Russia <clears throat> after so many years of us just kind of quietly ignoring what was going on. Yeah, but um, more broadly, uh, what breaks a regime, uh, a failed war, uh, and this will be a very failed war, uh, popular unrest uh, as a result of that and of uh, bad economic policies. We'll see if uh, that comes uh, uh, now. Uh, it hasn't really so far. There has been some minor thing. The middle class can't do anything. Uh, intellectuals can't do anything. The oligarchs uh, can't do anything. So then it comes down to the generals in the Security Council. Anders Osland, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you very much.